Awesome. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? It's so good to be here today. My name is Chase Baker. I'm the family pastor here at Rolling Hills and Go Titans, by the way. You ready? Yeah, yeah. All right. Awesome. Before we get there, we've got a lot to talk about today. So um, I'm really excited about this series, Finding Your Focus. I think all of us could agree that all of us need to find our focus in the new year. All of, that's such a good subject matter for us. But usually, um, in I do this every year, is that whenever I get to the first part of the year, I spend some time reflecting back first. Do you do that? I spend time, what did last year bring? What were the ups? What were the downs? But really, lately, I've been reflecting on the past decade because we officially started a new decade, which blows my mind. And so I reflected back on the past decade, and the best way to do that was to Google search the past decade to see what the world brought to our doors, okay? Are you ready? You want to see what the door, the world brought to our our, our, our culture and our world today. All right, so in 2010, we actually got the first iPad in 2010. Can you believe it? We are a device-driven culture, are we not? We got our first iPad. Many of you have an iPad. I, I'm teaching from an iPad, which is crazy. In 2011, we, were, we looked in on the, the, the wedding of the century, right? Prince William and Catherine Middleton got, got married. A lot of you watched that, that wedding because you're into the, I didn't, but, but maybe you did. Um, or maybe in 2012, the most watched video ever happened, and it was... Yes, that's right. It was Gangnam Style. That's right. You think I'm going to dance, but I'm not. That's not me, okay? Um, so so that the most annoying song ever. Um, so that, that entered our homes. But there's another annoying song that happened the very next year, and it was, trust me, you're going to think about it all day, and it was this. What does the fuck say? Right? You like it? Okay, you're welcome. You're welcome. I think that's the first time in history that a sermon has been opened up with those two songs. You're welcome. <laughs> so, uh, Pastor Jess, I'm sorry. Um, so, 2014, we had the Ice Bucket Challenge. You remember this? The Ice Bucket Challenge, ALS, raising money for ALS. And then 2015, we had the great debate that captured the hearts of many. Blue or black? Or is it white or gold? Which one is it? Do you remember that? That was 2015. In 2016, we had Pokemon Go that caused the most accidents on the road. Pokemon Go. In 2017, everyone was playing with these. Fidget spinners. Do you remember that? So annoying. And, and the, But 2017, we also had a great significant event that happened in our world, the, the eclipse, right? In 2018, there was a false missile warning to everyone in Hawaii. Do you remember that? Who was the guy who pushed that button? That's what I want to know. In 2019, we got Baby Yoda. That's right, Baby Yoda. How many of you are Star Wars fans? Oh, no, don't even have to do that. We don't have to go there, okay? Um, baby Yoda, which, by the way, this is, I thought this was younger Yoda that just grew up, but this is a different one. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand Star Wars. But, um, but also we got some Disney Plus this past year. As you reflect back, and you remember those things, and, and I hope you can remember the life thing, the, the significance and the, the things that happen in your life, um, the major life events. Maybe there's some people that were here 10 years ago that are not here now. And, and you're remembering that. Uh, maybe um, 
maybe you made big life decisions in the past 10 years. Maybe your company has had some great success, which is great. Maybe you've seen some failures. Maybe there's more babies in your house than there were 10 years ago, right? Or maybe you have some grandbabies to take care of and to spoil rotten now. I hope as you reflect over the past 10 years, you not only reflect of the, those major life events that happen in your family, but you can also reflect on the spiritual mile markers that happen in, in your family. For many of you, you actually saw your need for a Savior over the past um, 10 years. When it, at some point in the past 10 years, you saw your need for a Savior. You gave your life to Jesus. You committed your life. You trusted Him with your life. Maybe you were baptized. I remember some of your baptisms. Or, or maybe you, you got to baptize somebody else. Maybe you got to baptize your kids, which we celebrate. That's awesome. Maybe God redeemed some of the relationships that were broken in your life. But here's what we do. As we look back, we also look ahead. And I'm super excited about 2020 and what 2020 has to bring us. And what we've been doing as a church and what we've been leaning into, we, we decided as a teaching team and, and Pastor Jeff kind of led us down this road. We're going to start with Jesus in 2020. How, what better way to start, right? And so we're going to look at, we're looking at the life of Jesus. And we don't get much information between age 12 and age 30 with Jesus. But what we do have is a verse that tells, tells us what he's up to. And it's Luke 2.52. And it says this, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So we're covering four different areas which we knew that Jesus grew in. Mental, uh, physical, spiritual, and social. All those. If you missed the past couple weeks, I challenge you to go back and listen to Pastor Jeff cover the, the mental and, and physical part of it about what God wants for our lives today. I want to be talking about spiritual focus. How do we find spiritual focus in 2020? And here's what I believe. Without... In order for us to focus in on spiritual focus and what it's going to take, we first have to address distractions that can hit our homes in 2020. Let us pray. Father, grateful for you. I'm thankful for the opportunity to gather as your, your church and, and worship together and honor you by way of worship. And God, as we engage with your word, my prayer is that we are forever changed by it. Your word does not return void. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. So God, may we be changed by it. God, as we focus in on the next few minutes, God, share with us. Open our ears. Open our hearts to what you would have us to know and to do. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the things that, that you and I might have in common is distraction. Like it's, it's very easy for me to get distracted. Maybe you've been in a part of a project or in a, in a conversation and, and all of a sudden your phone rings. Or, or there's an email that comes in or a text message that comes in that, that distracts you. Or somebody walks by or you see something shiny. Um, that's for most of the guys in the room. We are attracted to shiny things. And you're like the dog on the movie Up, right? Squirrel. Like you, you're, you're just thrown off by all of these distractions that happen in your life. And here's the truth about distraction. This is where we're going to start today. The things that we get distracted by are rarely as important as the things that we get distracted from. Get that. The things that we're distracted by are rarely as important as that that we get, we get distracted from. Meaning that we allow less important issues to steal and rob our time, don't we? And one of those things that causes the most distraction is this. All right, let's just talk about it. 
This is the... This is the invention, the single greatest invention of all time that's causes the most, uh, most distraction of all time. Right? And, and so this gives everyone, including, um, including people that we don't know, instant access to you. They have the ability to call you, text you, whatever, DM you, whatever it is. They have the ability to do that at any given time. So this is a major distraction. But let's be honest, it's also a good thing. Like for many of us, this has been a lifesaver at times. This has been you um, call, call your, your parents, call, call home, those kind of things. You, it's been your lifeline. But, and some of you may use this for your morning devotion. Like I can't, but maybe you, you have your Bible app on here. You wake up, you read your devotional, which is great. For me, it's a problem because 20 minutes later, I find myself reading about why Prince Harry wants to leave the monarchy. Like you get sucked into that mess. And so it can be a good thing. Let me just give you some stats. Tony Rankin, or Ranky, he wrote a book that's really important. And he wrote a book that's called 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. I would recommend that to anybody, especially parents in the room. He says that the average person checks their phone over 81,500 times in any given year. You know, that's you picking up your phone four point, every 4.3 minutes of our waking lives, which means that you and I will check our phone. Maybe not me. Maybe I've already have. You will check your phones at least eight times before this sermon is over. Now, maybe not you because it's so engaging. You love what I'm saying. You're not going to do it, right? But that's reality. I love this picture. It's a picture I found online. It's a picture of an older lady. Notice the older lady. And notice everybody else around her. She's taking in the moment. Everybody else has their phones out taking a picture of the moment so they can put it on Facebook or Instagram in order to show the world and make everybody else jealous. Like, like that is a powerful picture of what we go through today. This is how we go through life. And distraction is not only does not produce a happy, well-balanced, or productive life. In fact, get this. There was a form of torture in the Middle Ages that was tying your, your limbs together to four horses, and they let them loose. Do you know what the French called this form of torture? Distraction. Distraction. What a great picture of what happens in our lives. Do you ever feel like you're literally being pulled apart, death by distraction? Christian counselors would say that distraction destroys more relationships than anything else today. Anything else today. The distraction, a counselor would say, makes intimacy impossible because in order for someone to feel intimate with you, whether that's a child, a spouse, or a friend, they have to believe three things about the relationship. One, they have to believe that you consider them a priority in your life. Two, that you have plenty of unrushed time available for them. Number three, that you're giving them your undivided attention. See, busyness and distraction makes those three things impossible. They make them impossible. Possible. So distractibility, this counselor would say, keep the most important relationship shallow, including your relationship with God. The bottom line, if we're going to have any kind of spiritual growth or spiritual um, productivity in our lives in the next year, if we're going to have some spiritual traction in 2020, then we're going to have to learn to deal with the distraction in 2020. So I want to explore a Bible passage today. It's found in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. If you have your copy of Scripture, you can turn there. It's going to be on the screen. And you're going to be familiar with this 
this story in the Bible, it's actually the only time the word distraction comes up. The only time the word distracted or distraction comes out up in all of the Bible is in this story. And, and it was a story about Jesus traveling from town to town. He lands in a village. And in this village, whether it was unexpected or expected, some people invited him into their home to, to get some rest. Jesus had a busy season. He was doing ministry. And so these, these people were his friends. They invited him in. And you know them as Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And we see these, this group show up three separate times throughout the Bible. The second time is when Mary was at the feet of Jesus. You may remember this. At the feet of Jesus. And she washes Jesus' feet with her hair, with expensive perfume in an alabaster jar. The third time we see is whenever Lazarus had died. And Jesus raised his him from the dead. So obviously he has a relationship with these people. He's, he's been invited into their home to, to kick his feet up, to relax, to have a meal. And this is how Luke records this story. Verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So here in the story, you have two people represented. You have an older sister and a younger sister. How many of your older, older siblings in the room? Raise your hand. Older siblings. Awesome. You will know how this feels. You know how frustrating it is. The older sister is making preparations. It's your stereotypical older sister. Older sibling, making preparations, making sure everything is done, the house is in order, the dishes are put away, everything's cleaned up. Man, she is working hard. And all of a sudden, she looks over, and her sister is what? She's sitting at the feet of Jesus doing, in her mind, she's doing nothing. She's doing absolutely nothing. She gets frustrated. I've been slaving all day, and I'm looking over there, and she is doing nothing. What is the deal? So... Growing up, if you're an older sibling and you're frustrated, what do you do when you're frustrated? Mom, Dad, you're going to the highest authority in the room. And this, the highest authority is who? Jesus. How, how much higher can you get than Jesus, the Son of God? And so she's like, I'm going to go tell Jesus what you're doing. <laughs> and this is what she said. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself. Tell her, he commands, she commands Jesus. Tell her to get up and help. Tell her to get busy. And she's thinking in her mind, he just did, wasn't paying attention. He just didn't know. I mean, he's focusing on the conversation. And then he didn't notice me doing all the work. So I'm going to make him aware of what's going on. Jesus, tell her to get busy. Go ahead. And he expects her, he, he, she expects him to say, Mary, Mary. But that's not what he says. What does he say? Martha, Martha. I'm, I'm Martha, that's Mary. She say Mary. Okay, go ahead. That's not what he says. Let's read. Jesus says, Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about so many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, 
And it will not be taken away from her. Let me ask you a question of where we're going today. And let me just be as direct as I can because this is convicting to me. What are the distractions that are pulling you away from Jesus? You can probably name a few right now. Some things that are really good. And, but, but this requires us to do some self-evaluation. What did I give my time and attention to in 2019 that distracted me and my family from growing in faith? How can I prevent it from doing that again? And here's the thing, sometimes we won't like the answer because those things probably weren't as important as you think they were. In Martha's case, she was distracted by the things she probably sincerely thought that she was doing to please Jesus. Good things. But Jesus doesn't want us to be doing things at the expense of being with him. Hear me. Jesus doesn't want us to be doing things at the expense of being with him. Jesus would prefer that Martha do things with him rather than be distracted by less important things. Do you get it? By less important things. That's always how distraction is. And Jesus said, what Mary took advantage of in that moment can never be taken away from her. Never be taken away from her. That's always how distraction works. You, you trade Something that you only get one shot at. You trade something that you only get one shot at for a bunch of things that in the grand scheme of things just aren't really that important. Things that aren't inherently bad like taking care of yourself, work, media, entertainment, sports. The problem comes when we allow these things to distract us from our relationship with the Father. You know, because Jesus knows that the things that can distract us can also enslave us. The things that can distract us can also enslave us. Martha's busyness appears to be driven by a need. A need that she didn't even know that she needed. In verse 41, Jesus, said, Jesus called her worried and upset about many things. That word worried means distraction. It literally means distraction. It means to be torn into pieces in many different directions. Up, the word upset means to be tossed, tossed around like an unanchored ship. So let's, let's see uh, Jesus is a... A summary of who Martha is. Let's give, let's give Jesus' diagnosis. He calls her unhappy, unsettled, and unanchored. Have you been there? Unhappy, unsettled, and unanchored. Here's what Martha was. Martha was the kind of person that needed to be needed. Have you ever met somebody like that? Somebody who needed to be needed? The kind of person that felt only significant whenever they, they, they need to be dependent on some, by somebody else. You're probably thinking about some people right now, and maybe it's, it's you. But here's the question. Why should Martha need to feel needed by others to feel significant? Shouldn't the fact that Jesus loved her and wanted to spend, spend time with her make her feel special? But here's the deal. Martha was looking for something in service that she should have been finding in Jesus. We do that all the time, don't we? In fact, we can reflect on the things over the past year that, that we've sought in something else that we should have been seeking in Jesus. I've been there, you've been there, and maybe you've been there this past week, and it comes out in this way. We give our time to social media because we're looking for the approval of others. We work long hours to find significance. We overschedule our lives because we think that more is more. More money, more influence, more fame. We can't let go of certain things because you feel the, the fear, you fear of being forgotten. 
The list goes on and on, but when we find an intimate relationship with Jesus, what begins to happen? We find acceptance, purpose, rest, comfort, and a sense of security. The complete opposite of those things. I love to go and read through the letters of the Apostle Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament, and he, he actually journaled a lot about his spiritual, his spiritual journey and, and what things that, that distracted him. If you didn't know, Paul spent the greater part of his life pursue, in pursuit of a religion than a relationship. It was all about do, do, do. What can I do to earn God's favor? And then he met Jesus. He, he met Jesus and, and realized that he, he discovered that God wanted a relationship and not a religion. He discovered that Jesus came to establish a new covenant. One that was about a relationship. And when Paul considered his past and all the things that he had done and all the distractions that part of his life, he wrote this to the early church. Philippians 3. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider them lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpa surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, I, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to what? I want to know Christ. See, Paul understood what a relationship with Christ looked like. And here's the deal. Your heavenly Father desires a relationship that is not casual. It's not casual. We know this because it cost him a lot. And here's what it cost him, 1 John chapter 4. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we have loved God, but that he had loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You know, I really feel like I've been learning this concept all over again. I feel like um, if you have kids, that, that maybe your kids, always, that, that you notice that your kids teach you spiritual truths. You ever notice that? Maybe things that you had forgotten, things that you need to remember. I have a three-year-old, and, and she continually teaches me biblical truths and truths that I need to be reminded of over and over and over again. And uh, as she was younger, we, you know, you try to teach your kids how to pray. I don't know about you, how you taught your kids how to pray, but we, we kind of taught her how to pray with you know, something that's easy to remember. And you, so you teach her these things that we know. Um, if you've been a part of the church world for any length of time, you know that there's certain, certain prayers that you pray. And so we were teaching her the, God our Father, God our Father, once again, once again, we bow our heads to thank you, bow our heads to thank you, amen, amen. So we're like, man, that's sweet. If she can repeat that, that's great. And so she would repeat it for every meal. Like it, the prayer never changes. We're like, man, we can't wait till she begins to use her own words, right? Because that's the goal is that they would use their own words and we would teach them that, hey, it's just a conversation with God. It's just talking to God. No big deal. And so just a couple of months ago, we were around the dinner table and, and we asked who wants to pray. And then Kit was like, I want to pray. We're like, that's great. And so this is the first time she begins to use her own words. And this is how our prayer went. God, thank you for everything. That's a good place to start, right? God, thank you for everything. 
I bless you. I don't know if that's theologically right, but we want to. I bless you. I love you too. Amen. There's a profound truth in that one statement. And at first I was like, man, should I correct her? Like, she doesn't have to say too. Like, she doesn't have to say, I love you too. That, that doesn't make sense. But then I was like, that's significant because it's inferring something. It, it's inferring something. It's inferring that, that God said, I love you first. <laughs> that God said, I love you first. That God has really paid the price. He's committed to this relationship. He establishes what he longs for. And it's up to us to respond and say, I love you too. I love you too. Here's the thing. When we are reminded of why God chose to save his creation, it makes us want to be with him. And here's the thing. When we are with him, we want to be like him. We, we begin to love the things that he loves. And we begin to hate the things that he hates. We begin to do things that look like him. And that's the goal, right? I believe that's the process of, that's discipleship. It is best that we look more like Jesus at the end of 2020 than we do at the beginning of 2020, right? That we look more like Jesus. That's the process of sanctification. I know that's a, that's a churchy word that we use, but let me break it down to you. The word sanctify means to be made holy. That word holy means to be set apart. So the process of sanctification is the process of being set apart to look different than the rest of the world. And when we look more like Jesus, guess what? We're going to look different than the rest of the world. When we are with him, we want to be like him. So practically, when we look like Jesus, what do we do? What does it look like when we look like Jesus? And, and I know we're anxious about getting to a Titans game this afternoon, but let me give you three practical things in order to look like Jesus in the new year. The first thing is this. We spend more time with the Father. Throughout the New Testament, we see time and time again that Jesus, Jesus removing himself from distractions and spending time with the Father. Luke 5, 16 says this, but Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. He, he had to do it because he knew something. He knew he had to prepare for a major task, recharge after hard work, work through some grief that he was experiencing. He spent time with the Father before making a big, deci big decision. He just spent time talking to the Father in prayer. What does it look like for you in 2020 to spend more time with the Father? Let me just say, it's, for us, it's time in God's Word. Whether 15 minutes, 20 minutes, Whatever time of day you choose to do it, do. when we read God's Word, we are in turn spending time with Him. We know more about His character and what He wants for us. Tony Ranke said this about the Bible. The Bible is not just a book to get through. It's not something we check off our list. Because some of us can get in that habit where we're reading our Bibles because we think that it would be good. And so we check it off our list. He says that the Bible is not just something we get through to read cover to cover, then put it on a shelf. Neither is it a book to browse or skim. The Bible is our open door to hear God's voice, both alone and together in community. It is intended to be a bottomless in its profundity and endless in its relevance. This book gives life, and it moves and pushes God's redemptive plan forward pushes God's redemptive plan forward. That when we spend time in his word, that means we're spending time with him. That his, his words do not return void. 
Another thing is time in prayer. That we believe here at Rolling Hills that prayer should undergird everything that we do. We believe in the power of, of prayer. And here's what Martin, Martin, Martin Luther said. I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. I have, my, my schedule is outrageous. I'm just going to spend three hours in prayer. Like who says that? He said the most important thing that we could possibly do throughout our day is communicate to uh, uh, the creator of the universe. Communicate to, to the, the God who's in control of your time. Why wouldn't we spend time focusing on prayer and talking to him to look like Jesus to spend more time with the Father? To look like Jesus means leading with love. Leading with love. T time and time again, we see this characteristic of Jesus. He was compassionate. He welcomed people in uh, welcomed all people. He was quick to meet the needs of those around them. And, and he, he came to his disciples one day and he said, guys, 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 here's the deal. You've been following a lot of these other commandments, but, but I want to give you a new commandment. And I want you to obey this one. A new one I give to you. In John 13, he says, a new command I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my what? My disciples if you love one another. And here's the deal. It's a love that does not withhold serving others. When we serve, it's an opportunity to not only love our Father in heaven, but to demonstrate his love to other people. When we serve our neighbors, when we serve our coworkers, when we serve our church family. And let me just give you a side note real quick. If we hope to have a deep impact on those outside the church, then we need to see each other serving inside the church really well. Let me say that again. If we hope to have an impact on those outside of these walls, outside of this church, then we need to figure out how to serve each other well inside of these, these walls. Love also takes risks. When we love people, it's risky. Oswald Chambers said this, If what we call love doesn't take us beyond ourselves, it's really not love. If we have the idea that love is characterized as cautious, wise, sensible, shrewd, and never taken to extremes, we have missed the true meaning of what love really is. That love is risky. Love is also unconditional. It's limitless. Our love extends to all people everywhere, even when we disagree. Even when... Our guy wins and the other guy loses. Even when we have been wronged by someone, even when somebody cuts you off in traffic. But here's the deal. We can't possibly love like this without having intimacy with the Father, without spending time with our Father. That's what love comes from. The last thing is this. When we are with Him, we want to be like Him through Growing in a faith community. Investing in others. Investing in others. See, here at Rolling Hills, we love rows. You're sitting in a row. I sit in a row every Sunday. I love whenever we gather in, in corporate worship. And I, we believe that's a calling that God has on the church family is to worship in a faith community in rows. And we get to worship our God together, creator of the universe. That's awesome. But there's something that's significant that happens in a circle that doesn't happen in a row. When I say circle, that is a group. We call those community groups. There's something special that happens in it. We have a high calling to grow in a group. 
First John 1 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. You see, in the context of a group, we can we can open up about our struggles. We can we can be challenged by one another, we can be supported and love one another in a context of a circle that doesn't happen in a row. So we do call those community groups here. And if you are not engaged in any sort of group, I want to challenge you to just jump in. Just jump in or, or just get more information. And in fact, outside those doors this morning, you can make your way outside those doors. And to the left, as you go outside those doors, there's a place called Group Link that you can find out more information about how to be, be involved with a group. And I'm going to tell you that I can ask anybody in this room who's a part of a group, and they would say that a group was a significant part of their life and has been. Jump in, getting involved with a group. And I look at all these things, spend time with the Father. I look at leading with love and, and uh, being invested in others and others investing in me by being a part of a community. But if we if we hope to look like Jesus in 2020, that doesn't happen without being with him in our busy schedules. It can't happen. See, we have a high calling to grow in our relationship with Jesus. This, this year is going to be filled with distractions for you. There's going to be things that's going to be pulling you in many different directions. But what would it take to find focus by finding time with the Father? I'll leave you with this. Jesus doesn't want us to do things at the expense of being with him. Don't let our distractions determine your spiritual direction for 2020. Father, we love you. We're grateful for our time of worship this morning. And God, there are so many things that can pull us apart of a relationship from a relationship with you. God, we can, we can point those things out, and God, forgive us when that does happen, but God, I pray that we can approach 2020 with the mindset of finding focus in you for me and my family's sake, that we would prioritize our time and our schedules around what you want us from us, that you are the creator of all, that you chose to come to this earth to step into our mess to sacrifice your son so that we can have a relationship with you. God, thank you. God, thank you. I love you too. Amen.